Revelation 13. And then I stood on the sand of the sea. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leper, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, we know that's Satan from last week, the dragon gave him power, gave him his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Now all the world marveled and followed the beast. And so they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who was able to make war with him? And it was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And it was given authority to continue for 42 months. And then he opened up his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was also granted to him to make war against the saints to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now all who dwell on the earth will, will worship him whose name has not been written in the book of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Listen to John the Revelator. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed by the sword. And so here is the patience of the faith of the saints. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you for those serving, Lord, we ask that you'd bless our time, give us understanding on this topic today, Lord, this Antichrist, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts in the days in which we live in, we live in a day in which this man will be revealed at any moment, at any time, but the church won't be here, we'll be removed out of the way, your bride gone. And what will be left will be hell on earth. So, Lord, encourage our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm laughing because it's like, that's not very perky. Oh, it's perky. Why? Because we're in heaven. I could care less about this chapter, right? Because I'm not here and what's going to affect me. And I want you to get that as we go through the next couple of weeks because this topic of Antichrist is not one topic It'll be next week and possibly the week after to fill in the entire puzzle of this man that will come on the stage. And so there's a lot here. There's a lot that we're going to see next week with the Mark of the Beast, with AI technology, with all disinformation. Come on, man. Everything that's building up in the day in which we are living. And if you don't know what's going on on planet Earth... You may not be alive. Have a heartbeat. The thing about being a believer is it's this. And I was thinking about trying to figure out a title for the message. But you know what it's like when you're a kid and you, have a, and you know something that no one else does? You got that secret and you're like, I got a secret. And then a kid tells it because he can't keep a secret. Amen. But I feel like as a believer, I got a secret. And I know what's going to happen. And I'm watching it 
unfold before my very eyes. And what we got on the news is we're worried about genders. And we're worried about things that don't matter. When you've got people in Cuba that are dying flying the flag and they said it's COVID. You see, the world is, it's deceived. But I've got a secret. I know. Because this guy that's going to step on the stage is going to do things that the world has always wanted to see. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's take a look at it. Revelation 13. And we'll just get through these first 10 verses, hopefully. Verse 1. And then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horn, uh, on, yes, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head blasphemous names. And now the beast which I saw was like a leper, with his feet and the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like a lion, and the dragon gave him power and his, his throne and great authority. And so here we are finally introduced to the world leader during this time known as the Antichrist. Listen, as we look at that, we need to define this title for him because the Bible has many titles for this man, and we'll see that in many different scripture verses that describe him. But Antichrist simply means instead of. And so this man that will come on the scene that will be endued by power, not from on high, but from below, is instead of Christ. And so he is the instead of Jesus. Now, most people have focused on the idea that the, uh, this opposite, this instead of Jesus, will be this supremely evil person like, ha right? He's, he's devilish. He's everything that Hollywood has betrayed. Oh, Hollywood, right? Think about how they have ruined the Antichrist for everybody. They have. You can't even call your kid Damien now. Now, that will date a whole group of people in here. The young kids are like, what? So, listen, the world has done a job of promoting who uh, Antichrist, who they think he will be, let alone as we will get later on into UFOs and all of this stuff, right? The world is primed. It's ready to go. But this Antichrist is not in an evil, ugly way. In fact, he will be, as we will see, he will be a world leader. He will come out of Europe. He will probably be a very good-looking, very charismatic, very GQ, nails done, colored hair, he will be slick, he will, it's like an infomercial. You ever sat down, and this is just confession time because we're in church, you ever sat down and you're like, I am not going to watch that infomercial, and you're like, wow, I didn't know it did that. <laughs> it can cook and what? And then you're watching it, you're, and then you realize you're watching an infomercial. You've been suckered, and then what's the worst? You buy it. Oh, good for you. We'll see how second service does. And then you get it, and it, George Foreman's a liar. It doesn't cook like that. That is what Antichrist will be. He is a giant infomercial. 
But at the end of the day, it will be destruction. You see, the Antichrist will instead be more of an instead of Jesus. He will look wonderful. He will be charming. He will be successful. He will be the ultimate winner on planet Earth. He is exactly what the world is looking for in a leader. He is the instead of true Messiah, Jesus. Now, for a moment, I want to go back and look at the Antichrist through the lens of John the Apostle. You see, through the book of Revelation, we have forgotten, maybe you have forgotten, that there is a man, John the Revelator, who is in Patmos, who is writing us this letter. And you're wondering, how in the world is the book of Revelation applicable to those living in 95 AD? I mean, we went through the seven letters to the seven churches, but after that, it really wasn't applicable. And yet, John is writing from a position where he knows exactly what it's like to have an antichrist as a world leader. You see, anti is just instead of. And in, in ancient Rome... They had Caesar worship. Now, this will become applicable next week with the Mark of the Beast. We're going to make several references to the Mark of the Beast today. Don't worry, we'll get into detail about that next week. And in Ephesus, where John is from, he knows exactly what it's like to not be able to buy or sell without the Mark. And they had a Mark back then. It just wasn't on their hand or on their forehead. But he knows what it's like to live in this time where there is a supreme ruler and a dictator who kills people that will will go against his program. Eventually, he'll kill people for having disinformation on their Facebook page. Oh, today you'll just be banished and kicked off and maybe thrown in jail, but the Antichrist later on will control all things. The thing about living in his day was that once a year, everybody had to go to the temple and take a little bit of incense and put it on the altar and say, Caesar is Lord. And when you said Caesar is Lord, you got a little certificate and that said you were a good little Roman citizen, you did your job, and then you went around, you went about your business. But think about the believers who weren't able to do that. Because if Jesus Christ is truly your Lord, you can't say You can't say Caesar is Lord because that goes against everything that you believe in. It's like the government telling us not to meet. Well, the Bible says don't forsake the assembly of the body of Christ. So you're going to ask me to cancel one order from Jesus Christ to obey something that the government... That's not going to happen. We are going to meet together as the body of Christ. And so John knew what it was like, and so he is encouraging people in his day and in our day. It's funny because the Roman government during this time thought saying Caesar is Lord was patriotic. Now, I just want you to just stew on that for the next couple of weeks. What it will be like when the Antichrist comes on the scene and starts giving mandates to people. And if you don't do these, you're not a good American, you're killing grandma, you're whatever. Our president said that this week, and I don't really bring up his name, but I, cannot, I am so disgusted 
by the statements that he made this week. Totally. Like, you're not even A from this planet, let alone believe in the flag or believe in the First Amendment. You just decided that you wanted to walk all over it. And who's going to challenge them? CNN? I have to control myself today. (laughs) Yeah, don't encourage me. That's the wrong thing to do. So, listen, John knew what it was like to be persecuted for his faith. And there are those, and the, the, the numbers are fluid, so we don't really know, but up to 6 million people, they think, were killed during the 10 waves of persecution by the Caesars, by Nero, by Domitian, and on and on it goes, simply because they would not say Caesar is Lord. Again, for everyone else, it was a little annoyance. I mean, what's the big deal? We hear that all the time. What's the big deal about putting in a mask or getting a vaccine? What's the big deal? But for other people, as we will see today, who have critical thinking skills, you can see through it. All right, let me go off of that and get to the names of this man, the Antichrist. Because if I stay there, I just... Remember what we learned on Wednesday night, Wednesday night crowd? It said, don't be angry. I mean, I'm sorry, you can be angry, but don't sin. Remember that? I was getting it backwards. I'm like, sin, but don't get angry. Wait, angry, get sin. (laughs) Who's sinning and who's angry? Knock it off. Be angry and don't sin. That's what it was. Remember that? It's really easy, guys, to watch the news this week and sin because it's, it is so fast. Two years ago, would we ever imagine that you would be persecuted by other people in the church simply because you have a different opinion, let alone the media, let alone the White House now can colluding with a private company to censor. Where's the rest of the nation? Why are they not outraged? They're coming for the church. We are their target. Wait till we start having posts of disinformation. How dare we talk about a risen Savior? who came out of the tomb, who died for your sin. Oh, sin is misinformation. No one's really a sinner. They're just trying to do the best they can. All right. Let's get into the names of the Antichrist. From Daniel 7, verse 8, he's called the little horn. In Daniel 8, 23, he's called the king of fierce countenance. In fact, it says, In the latter times of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features who understands sinister schemes. The Old Testament is chock full of this guy as well as the New Testament. Daniel 9, probably one of the more famous 
phrases for him. He is the prince that shall come. In Daniel 9, 26, it says, Now after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with the flood till the end of the wars are desolate are determined. Now the people of the uh, the prince of the people that is to come, that's Europe. That's going to be important for us later. Daniel 11, 36 through 45 talks about a willful king. We'll get into him later um, and what he does. Uh, well, never mind. Let me read it. Daniel 11, it says, Then a king shall come, and he will do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god. And he shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods. And shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. And he shall not regard neither the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor the regard of any god, and he shall exalt himself above them all. We'll get to those two attributes of uh, not regarding the God of his fathers and nor his regard for women. We'll get to that later. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortress, a God of which his fathers did not know, and he shall honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. And thus he shall act against the strongest fortress with a foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and advise its advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. Let me jump down. That's good enough for that. So he is known as the willful king. How about this one from John 5, verse 43? Jesus says, the one who comes in his own name. He said, I have come in my father's name, and you did not receive me. If another one comes in his own name, you will receive him. And in 2 Thessalonians, he is called the son of perdition, the man of sin, and the lawless one. It says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away, the apostasy comes, or the departing, which the man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition. And so... A lot of names for this Antichrist over the next couple of verses. We'll expound more, but let's look at the rest of this verse, then we'll get into it. It says, see there. Did you see that? Let's read it. It says, then I stood on the sands of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Now, let me get back down here. The sea symbolizes the Gentile nations. In fact, Revelation 17, 15 tells us, and he says, And then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are the people's multitudes, nations, and tongues. And so this is an Antichrist coming out of the nations. He is rising out of. He will come out of Europe. We know that from Daniel. And now listen. I'm going to mention a lot of stuff, but I won't be able to give you the verses because I've given you the verses already. And if you want my, if you want more notes on there, if I go too uh, quick for you, uh, watch the video again. <laughs> Antichrist will head up this ten nation or ten group of people, this European League. Now, 
uh, when the EU was created, everybody got excited. Like, huh? The European Union? Finally, it's going to happen. The Antichrist is going to come out of this 10 European Union. And then they added more than 10. What? Now what do we do? Well, this is what most people don't know. The United Nothing, United Nations, who do nothing, have a plan, and they have the world broken into how many regions? Ten. Ten regions. We are in region one. What? That's right. Canada, United States, and Mexico. I, I can't remember if South America is in our region or not, but we are in zone one. So before we used to think it was the European Union, which is true, he's going to come out of the old revised Roman Empire. The leader will be. But this 10 group, 10 zones uh, around the world, I can't make this stuff up. This is what's great about being a pastor and reading this stuff because the world does what it's going to do and you go, you're just doing it right there. You, you just created the 10 zones which this Antichrist will come out of one zone, which will be the European Union, and he will be the head of the ten zones. So, no big deal, right? And he will come out of the sea, out of the nations. He will come and seemingly solve all the world's problems. Again, we live in a time where we really are living in a leaderless world, are we not? No real leadership. China's trying to be Putin, always trying. But no one's taking them seriously. They should, but they're not. So this geopolitical planet on which we live in, there's not really a leader. We're ripe for this guy to stand on the stage. He will give the people what they want, not what they need. We will see a world that it, uh, well, we see it now, that's headed in that direction today. Just let the government take care of you. You don't need to worry about, well, even finances, because we're about to set up a global payment system for every individual. Universal payment systems. Now, the reason why you don't know that this is being uh, talked about and debated is because well, frankly, the, the, the news media and the government, they don't want this stuff out yet. But how easy was it to start programming people in America to get a check from the government during the pandemic? You don't have to work and be productive. Just sit at your home and game. Be a YouTube influencer or an Instagram star. And we'll pay you to eat cupcakes or for you granola people, salary. What's with the salary? Right? So we're, we're conditioning this, but what you don't know is that they're planning to be able to give everybody universal income. You know what's interesting is that every once in a while they play their hand. You know that? This week they played their hand. They probably weren't supposed to tell us they were spying on everybody, but we already knew that. But think about that. We're going to give you free college, free phones, free homes, free, uh, free kids. Just go pick up whatever kid you want. It's your kid. Free whatever. 
We are programming people to expect free. We are no longer a freedom-loving people. We are a free-stuff people. The world is being conditioned to get something for nothing from somebody. Oh, thank you, benevolent whoever. I got a letter from Joe Biden this week. That's right, I'm special. But it was funny because he was in the, in the letter uh, from the IRS talking about the child credit, tax credit. By the way, my um, CPA attorney actually emailed me and said, don't take the payment because it'll, this is for all parents. It'll make your taxes work worse at the end. So don't take it, but you have to go and say you don't want it. You have to come out of the program. And they don't make it easy. Let me tell you something a little bit creepy. So I'm going through the process. My attorney tells me to do it. Hey, opt out of it. And so I'm on the IRS's website, right, which is just freaky anyway. But they have to verify who you are, right? They know who you are. Why are you verifying? So they're doing this thing on my phone. And, and at one point, it says, okay, here's the last verified step. It scanned my face. Now, uh, I was okay with that because I'm not going to be here. I could care less what they do. Scan my face, but I'm like, do you see what they're doing? Everybody is being programmed little by little, little by little, little by little. Scan my face. I was like, what? So they are like, like I'm not already in their system on multiple lists. Like, I'm on that watch that guy list. He spreads messages about dead saviors. And so as this government is continuing, as this so-called push for everything, you can see how people are so ready for it. I mean, if the Biden administration came out next week and said, you don't have to work, we'll take care of everything, and your mortgage is clear, probably the majority of the country would be like, yeah, that makes sense. But who's going to pay for it? But they never talk about that. Who's going to pay for it? Well, we know it's China. I heard one pastor say it this week, and it really hit me. Remember 9-11? We, we lived after 9-11 in a world that, I mean, it was really a dividing time. Uh, my kids and I were watching Midway and, you know, about Pearl Harbor and December 7th. That, that was a dividing line. There was after Pearl Harbor and before. And life before Pearl Harbor was different. And life before 9-11 was different. It was innocent. We, we could get on an airplane. We could bring nail clippers. We could do... But after... Our world changed, and America changed, did it not? Well, now what world do we live in? Pre-COVID? As I like to say, communistic, Chinese, made virus in a lab. Remember how many people were thought they were kooks because they believed that? That disinformation actually became right. Could you imagine a world in which 
We live in where the markets of free ideas are being attacked, simply having a different opinion and different from the government or the world system gets you banned from social media platforms. Two years ago, could you ever imagine that we lived in a nation where you couldn't speak your mind? That everybody who is white is racist? That's not true. That's the biggest lie from the pit of hell. It's to divide one group against another. I'm going to go with Martin Luther King who said, I'm going to judge people by the content of their life, not the color of their skin. That's the country I live in. I don't know where they live. And this Antichrist is getting everybody ready. I mean, could you imagine a time in which if you wanted to wear a mask or not wear a mask or get a vaccine or not get a vaccine, you're considered that you were killing grandma from the mouth of the president? Why would you get something that is an unproven vaccine that's not a vaccine? Because the true definition of a vaccine is to protect you whether you get it or don't get it or transmit it or don't transmit it. We have invented, or we have changed definitions of words that don't even mean anything. And I could care less if you get a vaccine or not. But it is my body, my choice. I thought that was good for just abortion. See how it is? It's their way or no way. That's all priming the pump. The Antichrist is going to say, my way or no way. And by the time we get to him, it will be easy to turn in your neighbor because they don't have the mark. Because they don't fly the Antichrist flag. Do you see? We are pitting one group against another group simply because they have a different opinion. All right, let's all take a See, Alex, I'm doing my cardio today. (sighs) Man, is it a crazy world. Two years ago. You know, we're talking about Bible prophecy. We've been talking about Bible prophecy. This is Calvary Chapel. This is one of our distinctives. Eschatology, to let people be informed. But literally in two years, it has changed so fast. Now, I pause and say what I say all the time. That doesn't mean that Christ is coming back tomorrow or next week or next year. But what it does say is he could come at any moment because of what is happening and because of how people are being brainwashed. I watched a video, and I've got to stop doing this. Amen? Can we just all stop watching YouTube videos collectively as, as the church? Just give it up. And they went on 4th of July to the mall, you know, the mall in D.C. And a young person, I love that they use young people, and they go on the street and they ask them, you know, the, the different questions, and they ask them what the American flag meant to them. What do you think 99% of their response was from the brainwashing that they have received for 12 years, let alone the indoctrination in college? But then at the end, which is great, <laughs> then the person said, um, well, what about the people? It wasn't July 4th, sorry, it was this week. They, the person said, Well, why are the people in Cuba flying the American flag? And none of them had an answer. 
They couldn't say it because it represents freedom. It represents tyranny to them. And when you've got an entire population like that, then you can, got, you, you can easily have somebody step on the scene that will tell you to tell on your neighbor and turn in those Christians who get saved during the tribulation. Now remember, the Antichrist began his career as a peacemaker. He settled the Arab-Jewish problem that no one has been able to solve up till this point. He brokered a seven-year peace treaty with the Muslim nations, the Arab nations, and the state of Israel. He protected the Jews. He allowed them to rebuild their temple and then restart the daily sacrifice. I mean, could you imagine that kind of world? There's a new temple being built and they're having animal sacrifice, something that they have not done for over 2,000 years. That'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? But as we know, because this chapter, from last chapter to this chapter, we know that we have reached the three and a half year period of time in the book of Revelation. And now he walks in and he claims himself to be God and wants to be worshipped. That's what we're going to see in the next couple of verses. Let me see if I was done with that. Yeah. Verse 2. <laughs> what? I told you this was going to multi. <laughs> I told you that. You know, if, if we had not gone through COVID and all of that stuff, this would be just a normal 30-minute, 40-minute message. Do you see that? But I want you to hear this. Because I take flack, by the way, a lot for what I say politically and what I say inside of the church. There's a lot. But listen, think about how many people who go to church will never hear what's actually happening in the country in which they are living. They're never going to hear that what is happening outside the walls are applying to the book in which you are holding. And I would be derelict in my duty as a pastor and a shepherd not to point that out. That's why I could care less what people say about me in that way. Because it is my responsibility to, to take all of the dots and put them together and say, Maranatha, he's coming soon. And I could... Now, as a believer, we're, I have to be very careful. We are supposed to be saying that for the last 2,000 years and believe it. Amen? Right? We always live in the expectancy of Jesus. However, it has only been recently that everything that we see in this book is able to happen on planet Earth. Worldwide communication. Remember last week the two witnesses who were dead in the street and everybody saw them on CNN? I'm sure they're going to be called racist too, by the way. Don Lemon. All right. Verse 2. Now the beast, which I saw was like a leper, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Keep your place here. We talked about it. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 7. And this is where, <laughs> this is where I think I'm going to get bogged down. 
You're like, I thought that was verse 1. By the way, as I was getting the, you're turning to the, I was getting the study ready. I was telling Micah, um, on the internet, if you type in Antichrist, you'd be amazed what you get. And the images, I, th- I was going to throw up a bunch of images. They had like Obama, and then, but I couldn't find one with Fauci on it. You'll get that later. Daniel 7. Daniel probably gives us the, one of the greatest overall pictures of man's kingdoms and some of the best prophecy next to the book of Revelation. So if you want to tie everything together in the Bible, you, you go to Daniel. Now in Daniel 2, Daniel was given visions on these earthly kingdoms. And he showed us the the gold head, and that was Nebuchadnezzar, and then it went to the Medes and the Persians and the Greek Empire, and then finally the Iron Empire of the Romans. But then we get to chapter 7, and Bible commentators always want to take chapter 2 and apply that to chapter 7, but they're missing some language. You see, when Daniel is talking to the Jews or referencing the Jews, he uses Hebrew. When, he's, when he is talking about the world system and its kingdoms, he uses Aramaic. And the Aramaic has a different, obviously, different definitions, right? And so when we look at Daniel 7, you can't look at it with Daniel 2. You have to look at it from an Aramaic point of view and a different view, different lens. And it is my firm belief that this is exactly what we're studying in chapter 13. So let's look at it. He says in verse 2, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, four winds of heaven were stirring the great sea. Now, We already talked about what the sea is. So these are the nations of the world, not the Jewish nation, the nations of the world. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each, listen, different from the other. And the first was like a lion who had eagle's wings, and I watched till its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear, and it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth and in its teeth. And they said to it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this I looked, and there was another, a leper, which had on its back four wings of like a bird. And the beast also had four heads, and dominion was given over to it. But after this, I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, a dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth, and it was devouring and breaking into pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. And it was different from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had, what, ten horns. And I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them or before them, uh, before the three of the first horns that were plucked out of the roots, and there it was, the horn 
and it had eyes like a man and a mouth speaking, this is pompous, but blasphemous words. And then he goes in the ancient of days and then Jesus, and I, and I love reading about that, but I have to keep going. In verse 17, it says, those great beasts which are four and four kings which will arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. He says, then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast. Notice he doesn't care about the other three. He only cares about the fourth, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful in its teeth, full of iron and nails of bronze, which devoured and broke into pieces and trampled the residue with its feet, and the ten horns which were on his head, and another horn which came up, which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, which appearance was great, greater than his fellows. And I was watching, and that same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Until the Ancient of Days, and the judgment was made in favor of the saints and the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the earth. And thus he said, The fourth beast shall come, shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms, and should devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. And the ten horns are the ten kings, which will arise from this kingdom, and another shall be after them, and shall be different from the first ones, and he shall subdue all three kings. Now, uh, I love to continue that, but let's go backwards into verse 7, and I want to show you the difference between Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, and the Aramaic and the Greek. And I know you're all fascinated. You're ready to write notes. Look at the word verse 7 that says, it was different from all the beasts that were before it. Do you see that word before? I want you to circle that, and I want you to write something different. When we think before, what do we think? Before in time, right? Well, before... I was doing this and that, but now my life is different in Jesus. That's not what it means. And that's the problem often with interpretation in the Bible is that if they would just learn the words, they would understand. The word before means in presence of. If I said to you, I stand before you, does that mean last week? Or does that mean in the presence of? I'm standing before you. Now, why is that important? Because what Daniel just said is that these four kingdoms are at the same time. They rise up and they are together when Antichrist comes on the scene. So who are these kingdoms? Verse 4. The first was like a lion. Now, so many people would love to say this is Babylon because... On the gates of Babylon, there were lions with wings. I've been to the, the um, British Museum. <laughs> Got to think of it for a minute. And you can see these. They're amazing. But if you look closer, they're not lions. They're dragons. Nowhere in Babylon do they have lions. They have dragons. And I love that they have dragons, which tells me at some point there were dragons. Well, that's a whole Genesis thing we'll get into later <laughs> in about five years. 
So these kingdoms are before it. So who was like the lion who had ingles? What's an ingle? Well, that's the uh, little house on the prairie, to be honest. Now you're going to home and watch it. Eagle's wings. So we've got a lion. Who is a lion? And who is standing up on its hind legs? If, uh, when I taught this section, and Daniel, I showed you images of that, that is the seal of Great Britain. The eagle's wings, what is our national logo, our national bird? It's the eagle. Um, you ever wondered why the, the, the United States is nowhere in the Bible? I mean, just from a simply American pride thing, like, come on, man. We can't be in the Bible. Well, we are just in little tiny areas, if it is true. By the way, if this is not America, by the way, we'll be in heaven, and it won't matter at all. So, woohoo, pass me another rib. So... It could very well be that Antichrist comes out of these four kingdoms, and one of that kingdom is the British Empire. We are part of that British Empire. Who else is part of that British Empire? Can't Come on, people. Canada and Australia is part of that. And so if you look at the powerhouse, I mean, I, I, make, I, I make fun of Canada all the time. By the way, they're burning churches in Canada. Ten churches have been burned so far in Canada. No one's talking about that. Canada is such a loving people. Oh. Canada, America, and Australia, their powerhouses, their economies, and what they wield militarily, as well as England, that's huge, isn't it? That's about a quarter of the power in our, in our world. Well, the next one, uh, if I knew where it was, verse 5, suddenly another beast, a second was like a bear. (laughs) Now, when I taught this, I should have brought these slides up because they're hilarious. So when I had this, I showed you the bear, and who was riding the bear? An unshirted Putin. (laughs) Now listen, Russia has been known as the bear for a long time. Notice it says that Russia has ribs in her mouth. Russia has devoured, uh, devoured much flesh. Uh, communism, which I wish people on CNN would say this, but communism has killed more people on planet Earth than any other system on planet Earth ever, 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 ever. You got that? Be it Russia or China or Cuba, they have killed more people, North Korea, It goes on and on it goes. So it says devoured much flesh. So you've got America, England, Australia, whatever, what, let's call it the West power. You've got the West power. You've got Russia's power. Look how Russia came in and basically ran, just roughshod right over our president and demanded a pipeline and demanded whatever they wanted. They, that's Russia. Well, next was like a leper. Now, it says that there is like a a four-headed dominion of that. Now, the Oriental world uh, has been identified with not necessarily the leper, although it could, but more of the cat idea there. And this would be a powerhouse that we know today is the Orient. Now, you could put Japan in there. 
You could put Korea. By the way, South Korea and North Korea, they still want to come back together. And it has been said that if they come back together, they will be one of the most powerful nations. So the Korea Peninsula, let alone, as we know, our favorite virus producer, China. China is a powerhouse. China is pushing everywhere, everywhere around the world. By the way, you know, we're pulling out of Afghanistan. Do you know who's going into China or going into Afghanistan? I just gave it away. <laughs> China is going into I'm like, go right ahead. Have fun with that debacle that no one on planet Earth has ever been able. Those Afghanis, man, as we say in the, the South, bless their heart. <laughs> and then the fourth one is the European Union. So let's turn back to Revelation. Now that you've got a good idea, hopefully I haven't confused everybody today. Oh, look at that time. Mm-mm-mm. Let's read verse 2. That's probably where we're going to get today. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leper, and his feet were like a feet of a bear, mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power and his throne and great authority. Um, so you can see these four great world powers, the West, European Union, the Orient, and Russia. And out of those four main powers comes one, this Antichrist, out of that, and that he will... If Antichrist controls those four kingdoms, he controls everything. Everything is controlled by that. And so he uh, comes out of that. Notice it says that the dragon gave him power and gave him authority and a throne. The world leader is really empowered and supported by Satan, Though he is a man, Satan will express his own desires and authority. This beast takes over that which Jesus denied in Matthew 4, verse 8 through 10. Let me read it to you. Now again, the devil took Jesus up to an exceeding high mountain. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all of these things I will give you, If you will fall down and worship me, that's all the devil wants is people to worship him. And so what did Jesus said? He said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord, I'm sorry, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. So Antichrist accepts the offer of the devil to give him the power and the authority. One last thing here um, is that notice how God describes this man. He doesn't describe him as a man. He describes him as a beast. He could have could John said, uh, Lord, it's a man. Don't you want me to write man? But he doesn't. He chooses the word beast. Why? Because he, his power and authority ascends from the bottomless pit. It, we, it, we can't get into the next verse, but next week we'll see 
it may very well be that when he is wounded uh, fatally, that Satan himself indwells him. Like, because Satan doesn't do this to everybody. That he physically somehow comes together with him, raises him up from the grave. That's a little foreshadowing of next week. I told you this was going to be a multi-week thing. Uh, But it says now... uh, the beast which I saw was like the leopard, the bear, the mouth of the lion. It says, but the dragon gave him his power. So it is Satan giving him his power, his throne, and his great ability. So is the Antichrist on the stage today? Is he alive? Well, let me make this statement and then we'll end. The devil has always had to have a guy ready since Jesus left. Because he doesn't know the plan of God. And at any moment, God say, get those Christians out of here. And if the devil didn't have a guy ready, he'd be like, oh, can we wait a little bit till I groom a new guy? That's why through the last 2,000 years, you can see people who would fit that, right? I mean, you look at Hitler like, that's a perfect guy. By the way, Hitler was drugged like he did drugs. There's a great documentary of his um, physician giving him what we know today is like heroin, um, shrooms, all this stuff that Hitler did. And of course, if you're a drug addict and you're coming, you're going to want to have, you know, demonic ideas and, and possession and all of this stuff. And he was fascinated with the cults. I mean, didn't you guys watch Indiana Jones? (laughs) So the devil has always had to have an Antichrist ready. So when people ask, is the Antichrist alive? Well, somebody is ready to take the, the place right now. Is he in politics? Maybe not. I have a I have a feeling that when Antichrist actually comes up out of the European Union, he will be a guy that no one, it it was not on their radar. It was like Skip from, you know, the Czech Republic. And then, you know, he he was like, well, I can fix it. What do you mean you can fix it? Give me, give me, give me two hours. I'll broker a a peace between the Muslims and the Jews. Go ahead. It's not going to happen. It's never happened. Comes back. It's done. Do you see? Endued by power. Not from on high, but from below. Well, lots of information today. A perky little message on the end of the world. Uh, But as the believer, we're not here. Isn't that good news? That you can watch and see the crazy 24-7 and just go, you're proving the Bible, CNN. You're proving the Bible, Joe Biden. You're proving the Bible, European Union, and China, and Russia. You prove it over, and we're the kooks. We're the disinformation people, and we're the ones that, oh, all right, uh, that's it. No more, I will not send any more today. Read ahead, guys, as we continue with this, because next week is so important because of what the world does with this man and that what he ultimately does with his power from Satan.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, that it's alive and it's powerful. We thank you, Lord, that we've got a secret. We know what's happening, and we know what's about to befall this world. And, Father, that we would share with people the truth of what's happening, not the mainstream lie and deception, not the world's opinion. Man is not getting better. Man is getting worse. He is not evolving into some amazing creature. He is de-evolving to his base. And so, Lord, thank you that we have your word, that we can be encouraged and have joy. Like the psalm said today, those who iniquity has been forgiven, we rejoice much. And we thank you for the empty tomb. And we thank you, Lord, that you're coming soon. Lord, to hear the trumpet and to call your bride out of this world. We love you, Lord, but we occupy until you come. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.